Now that Jimmy Graham is back with the New Orleans Saints, how does that impact Taysom Hill's role on offense and does it potentially make him tradable? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a daily episode. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, as well as gain access to all of our exclusive film studies, Q&As, inside information, and more, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints to join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on your favorite social medias, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Putting together a championship team is all about the players being the perfect fit and the same goes for your vehicle. So make sure that you check out eBay Motors today and look for that green check mark so you're always getting the guaranteed fit with whatever it is that you're looking for for your vehicle. You can find it over at ebaymotors.com. eBay's guaranteed fit available only to U.S. customers. Exclusions apply and eligible items only. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're taking a look at what we're going to be looking for day one of training camp, including the biggest questions that we're looking to answer immediately. We're going to focus on health, we're going to focus on attendance, and of course, we're going to focus on quarterback Derek Carr. We're also going to take a look at uh, an interesting comment that Mickey Loomis made, saying that he wants to add that he would love to see some players with NFL experience at certain spots on the roster. What spots do we think he was talking about, and what are some of the options there? But first, I want to start off with the big news from uh, Tuesday, as we roll over here into the first day of training camp on Wednesday, the signing and reunion of Jimmy Graham. But I don't want to necessarily focus on the Jimmy Graham signing itself, we broke that down in yesterday's live episode, which you can find wherever you get your podcast and wherever you're listening to this. But instead, I want us to take a look at what this means for Taysom Hill. Remember, Taysom Hill, one of his common things that he's been saying over the course of the offseason is that he expects his role to expand as a, uh, a, 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 as a receiver, which is interesting because when you hear Dennis Allen talk about the usage of Taysom Hill, he says that his expectation in terms of how they're going to use Taysom Hill is all about, well, Basically the same as what you've always been seeing with Taysom Hill. And what we've seen with Taysom Hill's, yeah, some double-digit catch seasons every now and then, but for the most part, it's been about him being under center and him being a runner. So either him being a passer or a runner from under center, sometimes lining up in the backfield as well. So if that's the case, then maybe that receiving kind of, you know, development that everybody expected uh, isn't really a part of what was going to be in the cards for Taysom Hill. And if that's the case, that's one of the reasons why this Jimmy Graham signing makes sense. If you think about where Taysom Hill is most effective, short yardage situation, sure, second and one, third and one, things like that, but also in the red zone. Where will Jimmy Graham be most impactful? Well, according to Mickey Loomis, he will have a specialized role on offense should he make the roster. And we believe that that specialized role will be that of, yeah, you guessed it, a red zone threat. 
You might not target Jimmy Graham 75 yards downfield and have him run like that, but you certainly can target him seven yards downfield in a first and goal situation. And that's where I think Taysom Hill comes in. I think this actually expands Taysom Hill's game quite a bit, similar to what I mentioned, similarly to what I mentioned to the signing of Foster Moreau. But this time it's a little bit more specialized, kind of focused to that red zone within the 20s situation. And so when I look at it, I'll set this up for you. Imagine New Orleans Saints uh, first and goal from their own three, right? Uh, Taysom Hill's under center, right? Derek Carr's on the sideline. Taysom Hill's under center. Jamal Williams is in the backfield. Michael Thomas is on the outside. Jimmy Graham is in line on the opposite side. And then you've got a couple of other receivers all around. And maybe you've got one other receiver, and then instead you've got a, uh, maybe you've got a, a 21 personnel where you've got a second full, you've got a fullback in there like Adam Prentice. And Adam Prentice motions out to one side. Adam Prentice motions behind the line of scrimmage, which usually indicates that if they snap the ball as Adam Prentice is crossing behind Michael Thomas, that, excuse me, crossing behind Taysom Hill, and Taysom Hill will get the ball from under center and then follow Adam Prentice as his lead blocker. But now you've got Jimmy Graham. So what if instead, Taysom Hill snaps the ball as Adam Prentice crosses behind it, behind the line of scrimmage, fakes like he's about to run, but then puts it up over the top to Jimmy Graham in the back of the end zone. Five yards into the end zone, eight-yard pass, it's a touchdown. Well, it'd be a three-yard pass on the thing, but you get what I'm saying. What this does is that it gives you the counterpunch that Dennis Allen has often spoken about when it comes to Taysom Hill. That you can't just run with him all the time. You got to throw once or twice with the guy. And, you, and it's got to be big. You think about the big completion down the field last year to uh, Rashid Shaheed, for instance. That was a counterpunch. That's what forces defenses to be honest when Taysom Hill is at quarterback. So now you can be in a situation to where, let's say, first and goal from the 10. You line up in the shotgun. You got Jamal Williams on Taysom Hill's right hip. You're going 11 personnel. Let's say Jimmy Graham is, no, let's say you go 12 personnel. Let's say Jimmy Graham is in line. Foss Moreau's in line, or Jawan Johnson's in line on the opposite side. Michael Thomas is on one side. Chris Olave's on the other side. Taysom Hill can now snap the ball, fake like he's about to run that QB power or run that, uh, or, or try to get around the edge. That pulls the linebackers, potentially even the safeties down. Jimmy Graham goes up over the top, and then bam, you throw the, foot, you throw the football 10, 11 feet in the air, and then Jimmy Graham jumps up and catches it because he's like eight foot 12. Wonderful. So that's where I think that things do actually end up improving for Taysom Hill having Jimmy Graham in the building because he doesn't have to run and take that punishment over and over again. He now has the counterpunch, which makes it a little bit easier when he does run because now you line up in that same formation, but then you do run the QB power. You do follow Adam Prentice as your lead blocker. You do all of that, but because you threw it to Jimmy Graham earlier on in the game, the defense has to play honest. And they can't just expect that Taysom Hill's going to run, even though he's about to. So I do think that that helps. Does this make Jimmy Graham, excuse me, does this make Taysom Hill expendable or tradable? I'll revisit what I mentioned before. It's hard to trade Taysom Hill. You've already restructured his contract for this year. It doesn't seem feasible that he's going to go anywhere. But does, if we remove money from the equation, does it make him tradable? Sure, I guess. You've got Foster Moreau. You've got uh, Jimmy Graham at tight end. You've got Juwan Johnson, of course, at tight end, but you were going to have Juwan Johnson no matter what. I'm just thinking about additions this offseason, Foster Moreau, Jimmy Graham. You've got Jamal Williams, who can help you in those short yardage situations. You've got uh, A.T. Perry. You've got Brian Edwards, who can help you at receiver. There's enough there to where if you've had the right deal, like Sean Payton goes nuts and says, let me give you a second round pick for him, that yeah, you 
probably could listen to that. Or they want to trade off a linebacker or something like that. Yeah, you probably listen to that. But outside of what would be equivalent to the Taysom Hill version of a Godfather offer, I don't think that you go down that route, especially with the money you already still have invested in it. Maybe you can have that conversation after this season, going into next season, all those other things. But as of right now, I think you like what you can do with Taysom Hill more than you like what you can do without Taysom Hill. And I think that means that even with additions like Jimmy Graham, Foster Moreau, Jamal Williams, so on and so forth, drafting Kendra Miller, all that, these guys aren't Taysom Hill replacements. These guys are offensive firepower. And that's what the New Orleans Saints need to rely on in 2023, because in 2022, they didn't have it and they couldn't rely on it. That has to change going into the season. Coming up next, Mickey Loomis mentioned that there were some positions where he could see the New Orleans Saints potentially adding some players with NFL experience. And even though he didn't tell us what those positions are, I do think that both of them are, or that two of them at least, are glaringly obvious. So let's take a look at what I think those positions might be and who some of the options are that the Saints actually brought in for visits on Tuesday. Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. If you're somebody that's been looking to get into therapy, try therapy out for the first time, BetterHelp is absolutely for you, especially if you've been a little bit nervous. Like there's a lot of barriers to entry when it comes to therapy, uh, transportation for some folks, cost, um, wait, you know, time, just time management as a whole and finding the right therapist. Those are all big, big barriers of entry sometimes for people who are new to therapy and it makes it scary and something that's already a little bit scary sometimes. So you can ease yourself of all that by being able to do therapy from the comfort of your own home on your laptop, over the phone, whatever makes the most sense for you, even like on your lunch breaks at, at work or whatever. BetterHelp is more affordable than therapy, than, than traditional therapy. You don't have to drive anywhere, so you don't have to deal with traffic, waiting rooms, anything like that. So if you're a little bit lost, let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on, and you're going to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, getting you ready for training camp day one, which kicks off later on today after training camp and later on in the evening, probably sometime around 5.36 p.m. Central Time. We'll be live on the Locked on Saints YouTube page to get you all caught up with everything from the day and get your questions to set up for our Q&A the next day. So make sure you come through for that. And if you can't make it live, don't worry, you'll be able to catch it later, both on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you as always, all the everydayers out there making it as your first listen of the day every day. Today, or as we continue on with today's show, I want to take a look at a couple of things that did that, or, or one specific thing that Mickey Loomis mentioned that kind of clued in uh, a couple of things. And, and one of the bits that he mentioned was that, you know, getting NFL experience when it comes to depth is huge. They just did this with Trey Turner. They've had James Hurst around for a couple of years now. So they've really done well on the offensive side of the football and the offensive line when it comes to that. Jimmy Graham's an example there too. And so one of the things that he did say was that there were a couple of other positions that he's not necessarily super concerned about. He's not losing sleep over, he said, but that he would like to get maybe a couple of guys that are veteran players, like to have at least a guy that are veteran NFL players with NFL experience at those positions. But he wouldn't name the positions. But I do think that they're dreadfully obvious. Defensive interior defensive uh, or de uh, defensive end on the edge and linebacker. I think those are your three. And the New Orleans Saints, according to Brooke Kirchhofer from WWL TV, as well as over at New Orleans Football, list, uh, sent out a list of some of the players who were working out with the Saints on Tuesday. 
I would not be surprised if when we showed up later on today, that some of those players may still be around. Who are those players? Well, one of which was Tommy Kramer, who's an offensive lineman, I think with the Saints bringing in Trey Turner and also signing Max Garcia, who's played on the interior a ton throughout his career. Tommy Kramer is probably going to get some opportunities elsewhere. But two defensive tackles in Forrest Merrill, as well as Roderick Perry, three defensive ends in terms of Kyle Phillips, uh, Arnie St. Amar, as well as Kenny, uh, Kenny Willikas. And so I do think that when it comes to some of these players who, look, aren't massively productive players, but do have specialized roles. Kyle Phillips, for instance, is a very disruptive player. And when he's healthy, he totaled 17 total pressures when he was a rookie with the New York Jets, set up a lot of expectation around what he would be able to become. But injuries hampered that, derailed that. He didn't play in the 2022 season, much like Jimmy Graham. Could he end up being somebody that the Saints bring in to see how healthy can you be? It's a 90-man roster. What do you have to lose? I do think that he brings more concern than production. However, if there's an opportunity to add somebody that might be able to help the Saints out, I think you absolutely do that. I think there are still some interesting defensive linemen out there. Uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite names is Shelby Harris, who's still currently available uh, and surprisingly available. I think some people have mentioned Indomitian Sue before. I'm, I'm kind of cool on that. Uh, but I, I do think that the Saints will be able to find some of these guys that will be able to come in and help out. So Forrest Merrill is somebody that was formerly of the uh, Seattle Seahawks, also spent some time with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, appeared in four games with the Los Angeles Chargers back in 2021. So not really a lot of uh, recent production. During that time, he had four total tackles and that was it. So he's not somebody that has a ton of production. Uh, again, him being away from the game of football for a year without any previous production is probably something that's a little bit concerning for sure. Uh, and I wouldn't blame anybody for kind of looking at that and saying, okay, well, maybe that's a camp body situation and somebody that the Saints could potentially uh, could potentially look at. Um, the funny thing when it comes to Roderick Perry is that he actually ended up signing, it looks like, with the Seattle Seahawks. So he is now off the list, even though he did try out uh, with the New Orleans Saints. So it doesn't seem like Roderick Perry is going to be one of those guys, but it is good to see the Saints continuing to look at some of these defensive tackles. And the reason that I highlight that Roderick Perry signed with the Seattle Seahawks is because one of the places that everyone sort of expected Shelby Harris to end up was back with the Seattle Seahawks. Right now, he's currently a free agent. He spent some time with the Seattle Seahawks. He spent some time with the uh, with the Detroit, uh, excuse me, with the Denver Broncos as well. Plays a little bit more of an end, but he can move around quite a bit. So there are those veterans out there that the Saints can continue to add along their defensive line, whether it be on the edge or whether it be at D-tackle. So hopefully they'll continue to do that. Maybe one of these guys will end up showing up for the New Orleans Saints later on today when we get at the facility. It doesn't stop at the defensive line, though. I'd also take a step back once more to the second level. There are still some good players that are available out there when it comes to free agent linebackers. Just got to see if you can find the right fit. Do you want a linebacker that could be a pressure player like Caden Ellis was? Do you want a backup linebacker that could be a coverage guy like uh, DeMarco Jackson is? But do you want somebody with NFL experience there? We'll open the door. I'll open the door for Quan Alexander comments and compliments and thoughts because I know a lot of people would love to see Quan Alexander back in New Orleans. And clearly the New Orleans Saints are all about reunions at this point in the offseason based upon what they've done over the course of the past two years. But there are other free agent linebackers that are available and could potentially uh, be helpful to uh, the New Orleans Saints. Just looking at a, a quick list from the players that are available according to uh, SpotRack, I think that there are 
uh, several that could potentially end up being helpful to the New Orleans Saints. Zach Cunningham, Deion Jones is a popular name. I personally like Miles Jack because I think that Miles Jack, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars, kind of gives you the Caden Ellis mold where he can get after the passer. He's good against the run. I think you have the coverage stuff taken care of, but maybe you want another guy that's going to be able to get after the quarterback like you hope Zach Bond is able to, but want to be ready just in case Zach Bond doesn't really, that role doesn't really click for him at the next level. Uh, so there are a lot of players that the Saints could potentially add. John Bostic has a lot of experience. Micah Kaiser has a lot of experience. So there are those players out there. I think um, recently the Ravens had a visit with Kyle Van Noy. That could be an interesting one. He's a little bit of an older player, but maybe you want another. But if you want NFL experience, Kyle Van Noy has got NFL experience. And if you think about the guys that are behind Demario Davis, you've got a lot of young guys, Pete Werner, DeMarco Jackson, Zach Bond, uh, uh, Andrew Dowell, um, uh, Ty Summers, like there's, you know, and then you've got undrafted free agents and Anthony Orgy, as well as of course, Nick Anderson. There's a lot of these guys, Nephi Sewell, like they're all young. And so maybe you do want another older veteran guy with some NFL experience back there. That's exactly what Mickey Loomis was describing. So I do think that defensive tackle, defensive end, as well as linebacker are some of the places where it makes a ton of sense for the New Orleans Saints to continue to invest and maybe find the right spot, uh, maybe find the right player at that spot rather. Um, you know, I, this is something that that uh, uh, Cam Jordan is has been all about so far this offseason. Hey, when we're going to add a veteran defensive end, or we're going to add a veteran tackle, he's all about it. He wants to see some other veteran player added back there as well. So I, I do think that if you if you take what Cam Jordan's been asking about, and then you apply that to the logic of what um, of what Mickey Loomis is talking about, there's definitely some overlap in terms of how those positions can be addressed and continue to be bolstered. I do want to highlight one player though, uh, Arnie St. Amar, who recently played for the New Orleans Breakers in the USFL, 30 defensive tackles, six sacks tied for third in the league over the USFL. So if you want somebody that's not only got, maybe not necessarily NFL experience, but you want somebody that's got football experience, competitive experience, and that played pretty recently is probably ready to get going. Uh, the former Georgia Tech uh, 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 defensive end could be somebody that makes a lot of sense for the New Orleans Saints. Um, he co comes in at six foot three, so a little bit undersized from what the New Orleans Saints usually like at the position. But hey, when you're just trying to get a look at some guys, production is what you're looking for. St. Amar has a lot of that production. All right, coming up next, what are we watching for when it comes to training camp day one? Well, it all starts with the quarterback, Derek Carr. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Hoot at Nation. Wrap it up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at training camp day one. Yes, it's finally here. And what is it that we're going to be watching at day one? And of course, it all begins and to an extent ends with the quarterback position led off, led off by Derek Carr. Can Derek Carr continue to command the offense, run the system, run the scheme, and can he elevate the players that are around him? I think this is something that we haven't seen much of since the Drew Brees days, to where the players around the quarterback have been busy trying to elevate the litany of quarterbacks that have started in Drew Brees' place or, 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 or post-Drew Brees, rather, as opposed to the quarterback elevating those receivers, those players, those running backs, the offensive line, all that. Derek Carr comes in with a uniquely familiar skill set to what the New Orleans Saints thrived with from 2006 all the way through 2020. And I think because of that, has the potential to be able to elevate the players around him. He's a good ball locator in terms of where he places passes. 
that is something that will elevate some of these pass catchers, particularly tight ends. Throwing receivers open is something that Derek Carr does well. Also, throwing the spots, which is very much what Drew Brees used to do in this offense, that helps to elevate the wide receivers. Seeing the field the same way as the pass catchers with this conversation, working with guys like Michael Thomas and asking questions like, hey, what do you see when you do this? What are you looking for? What did Drew Bree- what did Drew want to see when you were doing this? Let me tell you what Devontae would talk about when we like that type of conversation to where just ego goes out the window and it's like, how do we get this play to be the best play possible every time that we run this play? That elevates the receivers and pass catchers around him. How do you utilize the running backs out of the backfield? By targeting them, which we haven't seen a ton over the course of the past couple of seasons. We've watched Alvin Kamara, for instance, drop from around five to six catches per game to like three per game. So effectively having his production in the passing game, which is detrimental to your team's success because so much of your offense is about being able to take what's available, not make the big play all the time. Then you look at how do you elevate the offensive line and being able to have a quarterback that can come in and make the pre-snap reads and make all the checks, change protections, change plays, communicate to the offensive line, identify where pressure is coming from. Derek Carr is a very good pre-snap quarterback, understanding what the defense is looking like they're about to give him. And because of that, that elevates the offensive line and because of his ability to be able to read things post-snap as a full read quarterback, as opposed to somebody that just reads half the field, that allows him to be able to make smart decisions, which elevates the pass catchers and skill position players that are around him as well. And then finally, he elevates and can or has the ability, right? We're talking about what he has the ability to do, not what he's going to do for sure. He's got to go and prove it, but he has the ability to elevate the offense as a whole simply because of the fact that you can go back to calling two plays in the huddle with Derek Carr so that when he does do those pre-snap reads, if he sees something that he doesn't like for the first play, but that he really likes for the second play, kill, 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 kill. The play is changed. They're on to the second play and then bam, they're running a more advantageous set, which improves the offense. These are the things that will be helpful for the New Orleans Saints, as well as, of course, his really good in-game um, uh, play. Uh, he's one of the top guys when it comes to fourth quarter uh, to, to fourth quarter comebacks. He's one of the top guys when it comes to game-winning drives, all of that stuff. So I do think that all of that helps to elevate the play around him. Now, he has the capability to do all that. Can he do it? We begin to start to be able to answer that question, or rather we begin to answer that question today in training camp. The other two things that you're really looking for from the New Orleans Saints that I'm going to be watching for are, of course, attendance. Dennis Allen mentioned during his presser, as we mentioned in yesterday's episode, that they expect 100% that they anticipate 100% attendance. They haven't, by the time that Dennis Allen was visiting with us, they hadn't gotten all the information back from some of the physicals, things like that. So stuff can change, but the anticipation is that every player will be there, 100% attendance will be along at some form or fashion. So as I mentioned yesterday, you'll see a lot of players full go, 100%, full speed, all that, but you might see some players that are in the midst of a ramp up period as well. So you're going to see a little bit of a mix of participation, but if everyone's present, that's a step in the right direction, as opposed to what you're seeing across the NFL with several players holding out, all these other things, injuries, keeping players off the field, all those things. Really the last remaining guy that you're trying to figure out about when it comes to what we know so far of players on preseason injury lists is A.T. Perry. The last two remaining question marks were A.T. Perry, who was on the NFI list, and Foster, uh, excuse me, Miller Forrestal, who was on the uh, PUP list, but Foster Foster, I keep saying Foster. Miller Forrestal uh, has been waived. And so because of that, A.T. Perry is really the last one that you're waiting to hear back from. And everything that we've seen and been told so far is that A.T. Perry's injury is not a big concern. So with that being the case, 
Hopefully he, Trevor Penning, is a big question mark. Cesar Ruiz, Andres Pete, those guys are big question marks. Michael Thomas is not a question mark, but what does he look like when he's out on the field? So you're looking for the attendance and you're looking for health. Not only do they need to be out there on, my, on Wednesday morning, but they need to last throughout Wednesday morning. And that's another task all in, all in itself. The Saints have brought in some really exciting work that they do with Zebra Technologies, RFID player tracking, so they're not overworking players, overpracticing players, not overburdening one part of the body with their bilateral movements and things like that. Uh, they bring in, you know, guys like Zach Stewart to, you know, lead their, uh, to be a part of their analytics department. The analytics aren't just about what happens in game. They help what's going on during training camp and practices and everything like that as well. So I do think the Saints are taking those steps forward. Matt Rea uh, was, you know, pivotal for them in terms of eliminating a bunch of those soft tissue injuries that we didn't see last year, but that we saw a ton of in 2021. Are they going to be able to continue that trend and continue to be able to protect these players, keep their players healthy, keep their players out on the field? I'm going to give you a little bit of land yap here. One player that I am so looking forward to watching over the course of training camp is former first round pick Peyton Turner. This is a big camp for Peyton Turner. And Dennis Allen was asked about him on Tuesday. And the thing that he mentioned was that they love him. They like what he's able to do. He just needs to be able to stay out on the field. He needs to be available. That becomes the big question mark when it comes to Peyton Turner. They like what he does when he's on the field, but the issue so far has been being on the field and staying on the field. So Peyton Turner is somebody that I'm really looking forward to seeing. He looked fine. Uh, And when I say fine, what I mean is like health-wise, he looked fine throughout OTAs, mini camps, all that. How will he look going through training camp? There have been some moments where Peyton Turner has embarrassed offensive linemen during training camps. There was one year, a couple of years ago, I can't remember the offensive lineman that he was going up against, but he demolished him, demolished him. Kat Terrell and I from ESPN looked at each other and kind of went, ooh, yikes. Not because we were disgusted by the offensive lineman, because we were impressed by Peyton Turner. And that's the, that's the, the beauty of training camp, right? You get to pick which side is right, right? The, you know, the quarterback throws an interception, ooh, is the quarterback bad or is the secondary really good? You know what I mean? You kind of get to pick the best of both worlds there. Same thing with that Peyton Turner moment. But if you can see more of those Peyton Turner moments, and if he stays out on the field all throughout training camp, I think that's huge for him. I really, really do. And so when you have him, if he's able to, you know, kind of turn the corner, come into his own a little bit, and then you can mix him in with Carl Granderson, who really turned the corner at the end of last year, and I think is a shoe in to be the starter at defensive end opposite Cam Jordan. Um, Get him involved with Isaiah Foskey, who I can't wait to see, right? The rookies, Brian Brzee, Kendra Miller, will we see him? Uh, or is he going to be in that ramp up period? Like there's so many of these question marks. So all that is stuff that I, I, that we're going to be watching. But Peyton Turner is one in particular. And I'm pretty excited to see. And, and, and I'm hoping that that ends up coming back uh, with the right reasons in terms of why we're talking about him for this point moving forward. All right. We'll be live later on today, probably sometime around 5.30, 6 p.m. Central Time to discuss everything going on around training camp. I'll get you all caught up with the biggest notes from training camp. And then we're right back at your Thursday morning answering your biggest questions, as well as more training camp notes, because there's never going to be a, uh, you know, we're, we're not in the dregs anymore. We never really were. Like the New Orleans Saints really kept anything, it kept everything interesting. I never struggled to find content over the course of the off season. It was awesome. And I rarely ever struggled to find content anyway. So it was great to just see that continue to go. Uh, but man, now that we're in the training camp, it gets all the more exciting. So appreciate you being here, rocking with us all throughout the offseason, being here with us throughout training camp. Can't wait to continue to bring you these two-a-days and much more here on Locked on Saints. Thanks as always, y'all, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. And I appreciate you so much for making us 
a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on all social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you that nation, I'll holla at you.